0: this morning, the book of Luke. Luke chapter 24, we'll begin to pick up our reading in verse number 13. Luke 24, begin to read in verse 13. This morning, I want to speak to you on this subject, experiencing joy in your daily walk. Experiencing joy in your daily walk. Luke chapter 24, we'll begin to read in verse 13. Please stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in Luke chapter 24 beginning to read in verse number 13 the Bible says these words now behold two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem they talked together of all these things which had happened so it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him he said to them, what, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then one of those whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happen there these days? And he said to them, what things? And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed and word before God, and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, this is Jesus, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets that they have spoken. Ought not the Christ have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning that Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about these things that happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and said to them, Peace to you. Let's pray together. Father, we ask your Spirit would speak to us now, challenge us. God, we pray as we do every single week we gather together. God, if there is someone here today who's never turned and received you as Lord of their life, we pray your precious Holy Spirit will convict them, draw them, and God, we pray they'll turn today and surrender their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. God, teach us from this text today. Remind us again how to have joy in our daily walk with you. And I pray if there's someone here today, Lord, who has lost the joy of your salvation, God, if it is sin that has brought this to pass, we pray they'll repent of it. God, if it's neglect, sins of omission, not just sins of commission, but things that they're not doing that they should be doing spiritually, God, I pray they'll recognize that today through your conviction that only you can bring. And Lord, each of us will leave today fully committed, uh, ready, ready, to face a new week, Lord, to walk with joy that can only be found in a surrendered life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Bless this time. Be honored and glorified through adults. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. You know, the story of Easter doesn't stop um, at the empty tomb. It doesn't go straight from the tomb to the ascension um, either where Christ ascended unto heaven. The Bible says... In Acts chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, that for 40 days um, Jesus ministered and taught after the resurrection, preparing the church for ministry in his absence. Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus said, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Acts 1 8, he shared what that mission would continue to be. Nothing would change, it was the same mission. But it would be through his spiritual body, the church. And so he instructed, he presented himself, he taught for 40 days. Verses 13 through 35 that we've read this morning, and then 36, this is just such a time. Remember that Jesus had shared the call of discipleship in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Listen to it. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, And follow me. Jesus defined, not us, Jesus defined what the life of a disciple would look like. The unfailing mark of true discipleship is reverence for the Word of God and humble submission to all of its teachings. And these two men were followers of Christ. They were. They were were openly talking about Christ to who they thought was a stranger. They weren't hiding, however, they were confused. And they were were discouraged by the things that had happened. They weren't at present joying in their walk because discouragement and confusion had entered into their life. To enjoy a daily walk with Jesus Christ as a learner and follower of his, it takes a few things, four things I want to share with you this morning. Number one, it takes the appetite to learn about him. It takes the appetite to learn about him. Look at your Bibles again in verse number 13. The Bible says, Now behold, Two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. So here were just these two uh, average, we, we know one of their names later, we, if you haven't, the, Luke hadn't shared his name was Cleopas, we wouldn't even know their names, it'd just be two anonymous disciples. We don't know anything much more about them than this, they were just two individuals who had placed their faith in Christ, all the faith that they knew to have, and, and they were journey, life continued after the tomb. And they're making their way from Jerusalem to, Dem- to Emmaus, about a seven-mile walk, not too far. So, you know, you just want to say maybe it's just a gentle stroll, three people talking, maybe two hours that it would, it would take to make it um, those, those seven miles. Not saying that's about just trying to give us a little time frame. So maybe a two-hour conversation that's going to take place between Jesus and these two disciples. But notice what the Bible says in verse number 14. They, they talked together of all the things that had happened. They were discussing uh, everything that had happened from Palm Sunday, the cross, to the tomb. Uh, verse number 15 says, So it was while they conversed. Um, that literally is like a volley of conversation um, without someone just trying to smash the ball and, and win. It's like two friends just hitting a, a ping-pong ball over a net, just enjoy volleying back and forth. There are two people playing tennis, just hitting the ball back and forth to each other. That's what these two guys were doing. They were just volleying back and forth in conversation about all the things um, that had happened. The Bible says, but not only did they converse, but they also reasoned. Um, that means to jointly investigate. They were, they were trying to pull their knowledge, or now we see their, their lack thereof, and trying to discover, you know, what, what is it that happened? Uh, wh- where are we now? What's the situation after all these things have happened? You know, where do we, where do we go from here? And they did this because they desired to know more about what had happened to Jesus Christ. They just didn't wash their hands off and say, well, it's over. Uh, they really had an appetite. They had a desire to learn more about Jesus Christ. They say he's alive, but if you've seen him, I haven't seen him. I mean, I know they say that, but I haven't seen him myself. And the tomb, if the tomb isn't, where did he go? And why did he have to die? I mean, I know he spoke those things, but I'm so confused. And so they were, they were continuing to try to talk things out. Remember one of the saddest verses in Scripture is in John chapter 6, verse 66. After Jesus had laid out, after he had fed the 5,000, what the life of a disciple was really going to be about. And it wasn't just a show And getting your belly full. That's what a lot of people think church is about. But it's not, friend. Jesus was laying what the life of a disciple would be about. It would be surrender to Christ's Lordship. Dying to self. Daily following Him. And when Jesus laid all that out in John chapter 6 verse 66, the Bible says, and from that point on, many of His disciples, you know, I call them the t-shirt wearers, You know, it was convenient to be a disciple till it wasn't convenient. And then they weren't disciples anymore. The Bible says from that time, many of his disciples followed him no more. These two guys weren't those types of people. There was, they knew the Sanhedrin, um, the the, the other Pharisees, they were were greatly against Jesus Christ to the point they had killed him. It was dangerous to be on Jesus' team. And these individuals, they didn't turn away from that. They they stayed surrendered to him and to following him. And so they had a desire for truth. Friend, I want to remind you that appetite begins with nature. Appetite depends on what your nature is. And you, you won't have a lasting desire to learn about Jesus Christ apart from being Born again, John 3, 7. Being born again is coming to the place where the Holy Spirit of God convicts you of your lostness. The gospel is shared that Christ died for you. He rose again, and you turn from all your sin, and you surrender, all of you that you know to surrender, to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said spiritually, you're born again. And when that happens, friend, the Bible says you're going to have a new nature. There's going to be a new Appetite. Sadly, many make an enthusiastic declaration to know more about the Lord, that they might walk with Him, only to shortly return to the life that they briefly left. Peter wrote about these types of individuals. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 22. He says, but it has happened to them, individuals who say, oh, I want to be saved, I want to trust Jesus to be my Lord, and I want to know about Him. But when the, the righteous demands of discipleship that Christ laid upon us come to them, they turn from that like the John 6, 66 crowd and said, I, I didn't sign up for all of this. Listen to what Peter says about them. But it's happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow having been washed to wallow in her mire. You know, we, we all live in East Tennessee. We've seen dogs before. You know, all of a sudden they just look so happy. They're coming across the yard, and then they just yak up everything that's in their stomach. And if that's not enough, you know, they sit there, clean their mouth, they look at you, the little pleased look on their face, and then they bend over and eat up everything they just threw up. You say, that's gross. Why would they do that? Because they're a dog. That's what dogs do. They puke, and then they eat what they just vomited. And you can take a hog, take it to the fair, you know, wash it up, put a bow on it. You can paint its little hooves uh, with the fingernail polish and just, you know, pretty it up, put some Chanel number 5 behind little Suey's ears. And she just, she can win the blue ribbon. But guess what's going to happen when you take that hog home? It's going to find the nearest wallow and mire that it can find. It's going to immerse itself in that mud and get just as absolutely filthy dirty as it possibly can. How could that be? It's just been washed. It's been set free from all that filth. I'll tell you why. Because it's in its nature. It's a hog. That's what hogs do. Nature determines appetite. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, that he's, he's repented of sin, and positionally, he's been born again in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3, 3, Paul says, For you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away. Now all things have become new. Now there are appetites and desires in the life of an individual who's been saved that weren't there before. And one of those appetites, friend, one of the unfailing marks of spiritual life is this. You're going to have an appetite for the Word of God. Now there's a, there's, there's a reverse truth, and you need to hear me this morning. If you want to, like the dog, just throw up when you hear these words. Please take your Bibles. You really want to check up and see if the Holy Spirit lives within your heart. If you've just, you know, when you hear, well, what are they having at church? We're going to have a Bible study. Was there going to be singing? No, there's not going to be singing. Was there going to be food? No, there's not going to be food. Were there going to be games? No, there's not going to be games. I'm not going to that. I mean, if that's your, just your unspoken attitude, you really want to check up, see if the Holy Spirit lives within your heart, if the encouragement to daily find and set aside the time to get alone with God and to read His Word and to spend time meditating upon that Word as you talk with Him through prayer, if that really just, you know, weighs you down, you feel like, I'm just tired of getting nagged about that at church, you really want, you should really stop and check. Whether you've been born again, because the Bible says, friend, when the Holy Spirit comes to live within your heart, you're going to be a new creature. And there are going to be appetites there that were not there before. And one of those appetites is going to be a hunger for the Word of God to learn more about the one that you have surrendered to daily follow. Now, Romans chapter 6 teaches there's always going to be a battle with the old you. It's always going to be there. It's it's a daily battle to struggle with all of those old flesh natures. And so there must be a choice, a daily choice to get alone with God and to study His Word, to learn about the one that you're following. So spiritual appetite is not only shaped by nature. Listen, it's guided by choice. You're going to make a choice tomorrow morning. Some of you are going to make a choice this evening. You're going to come back as we study God's Word tonight. Together, You're going to make a choice in the morning whether you're going to get up and set aside some significant time, adequate time, to study God's Word, to hide it in your heart, and to spend time with Him in prayer as you begin your day. Appetite is not only guided by nature, it's guided by choice. Some of you are already probably thinking about this, but when you get in your car and you depart to your house, you're going to, have a, you're, you're going to have an appetite, but you're going to make a choice what you're going to eat. When you get home, it's going to be ham? It's going to be peanut butter? Some of you may have really stepped up your game. You, you know, you've got roast in the crock pot. It's waiting on you. Some of you, you may lower your game. So you know what? I think I'll just do potted meat or vine sausages today. So you're going to, you're going to really step it down just to, to get by a little. But you're going to make a choice. You're going to make a choice what it is that you're going to feast on. And so appetite is not only guided by nature, it's guided by choice. Don't miss this. These guys could have given up. They could have looked at the tomb, could have heard the the confusing response and said, man, we just quit. But they didn't. They had an appetite to learn more about Jesus Christ. You will never have joy. Listen to me. You will never have joy in your Christian walk without an appetite to learn more about Jesus Christ than you already know. They, They could have quit. They could have given up and turned to the world like so many other disciples had done, but they had a desire to learn. The depth of the joy you experience following Christ will never go beyond your acted upon appetite to learn of him. So there's the appetite to learn of Jesus. Number two, uh, to join your walk with Christ, there also must be the assurance of his word. The assurance of his word. Look at verse number 15, the Bible says, "So, So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near. While they were walking, talking, all of a sudden, here comes a third man. Now, they don't don't recognize him at first, but what they needed had just taken place. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there in their midst. I'll be there. And so here they were talking about Jesus and bodily in the glorified body, resurrected body. Here Christ comes and begins to walk with him. What they needed most happened. Jesus drew near. They needed a sure, certain word from God. They needed some assurance in what was happening in their life right now. And so the Bible says in verse number 16, look at your text, that he restrained their eyes so that they didn't know him. He kept them from really seeing. Apparently something had changed uh, in his glorified body. Certainly there was change, but his appearance was either veiled by his glorified body or Jesus just restrained them uh, straight out so that they couldn't see him at that moment. But they didn't know that it was Jesus, the one who they had once heard and the one whom they had once followed and still were but things were different. Now, he began to test them. The Bible says in verse number 17, look at He said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Now, Fred, do you think Jesus didn't know what they'd been talking about? Of course he knew. Here we have again a question from God, not for his benefit, but for ours. Remember in the book of Genesis that Adam and Eve had sinned, and the Bible says immediately when they sinned, their eyes were open and they were naked, And God came in the cool of day, Genesis 3, and he called to Adam and Eve, and they hid themselves from an all-seeing, all-knowing God. And God called to Adam and said, Adam, where are you? Well, God knew where Adam was, but Adam needed to think about where he was. Hiding from an all-seeing, all-knowing God, naked as a jaybird, trying to hide the shame of his sin by knitting together fig leaves to hide his nakedness. He needed to think about that. Well, Jesus was testing them. Uh, what, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk in or sad? Was this guy a Pharisee? Was, was he a, uh, uh, an undercover Roman soldier in plain clothes? And they didn't care. They just began to openly speak about Jesus Uh, Then one of those whose name was Cleopas, verse 18, answered and said to him, Man, have you been living under a rock? Are you you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have not known the things which happen there these days? A further test. He said, Then what, what things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and so begin to speak about him, how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But notice they share their heart right here. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today's the third day since all these things had happened. We, we were hoping, you know, that things were going to be different. The, these men, like all the other disciples, were disappointed. They were discouraged because life had not turned out the way that they had hoped. Now, Jesus had told them the way things were going to go, but they had their expectations. They had their end desire. They, like many often do, had elevated their expectations and desires to that of Scripture. You know, I want it, therefore it must be of God, and I'm going to go after it until it comes to pass. And so they hoped that Jesus was going to be the one that would deliver Israel from Rome, Roman occupation. But it didn't happen that way. And so Jesus had told them what he really came for, but they still struggled because they wanted to be free from Roman occupation. And so they thought, well, that, that because I want it, that must be the will of God. Verse number 21 again. Indeed, besides all of this, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Friend, he had spiritually He redeemed them in a way that they couldn't redeem themselves. But they couldn't see the greater need that is always spiritual. And so they were trying to find out answers to all these things. Look what the Bible says again, verse number 22. Yes, and certain of our women of our company who also arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. Now think about the comedy in this. You know, they can't find his body. Well, the body was standing right beside them. They were looking for Jesus, friend, and he was right there. And boy, isn't that an illustration for our lack of faith sometimes? You know, challenges and adversity come from our into our life. We've been walking with the Lord. We don't have any sins of commission or omission. And if we have, we've laid them at the Lord's feet. But adversity still comes into our life. And Satan begins to whisper in our ear, you know, if you were really, if God really loved you, these things wouldn't be happening. Look at those so-and-so. Man, they live like the devil, and these things don't happen. And you begin to wonder, say, where is Jesus in the midst of all this? Friend, he was with you the whole time. He's been leading you. Listen, Listen, this is a simple thing. You're either following Christ or you're following yourself. And if you're following Christ, he's there. He's right in front of you. And so there Jesus was in their midst, but they, their eyes were blinded. They just, they couldn't see. And they continued to sh- share and say, when, when, when they did not find his body, they came saying, you know, what, what they had seen, a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then, then certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He had already foretold them, though. This is the point they didn't have assurance from God's Word for their faith. Jesus, don't miss this. He had already previously told them everything that was going to happen. But they became overwhelmed by the situation, and they didn't have faith in what He had said. Listen to what Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 21 says. And from that time, Jesus began to show His disciples, listen... That he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and raised the third day. Jesus had told them that. He had already verbally expressed them. This is what's going to happen. But they didn't have that assurance. They had lost joy in their walk of following Christ. They had surrendered to Luke 9.23. They were following Jesus, but now they had no joy. They were so confused... Because they did not rely on the assurance and trustworthiness, friend, of the infallible Word of God. They didn't just rest in what God had said. Friend, I want to remind you, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. Don't be one of these individuals who, you know, has to lay the fleece out. I get so tired of hearing people say that. Friend, listen, if, if you lay the fleece out, the devil can dry it or make it wet. But he cannot give you peace. He can never give you the peace of God that passes all understanding. Take God at his word and by the peace that he gives us as he leads you into your will, into his will, or shuts doors that he doesn't want you to open. We walk by faith and, and not by sight. An enjoyed walk with Christ is by assured faith in his word alone. Just take God at His word, depending on sight rather than the word, coupled with unbiblical expectations. I want to tell you something, friend. Your expectations will get you in trouble. You better hear me this morning. Some of you younger people here this morning, you know, you're, you're, you know, when kids are young, you know, they they ask why, and we don't have enough answers to give them. And then when you turn 18, you can't give me or the answers because they've already got them all. But some of you here this morning you are know, a little younger, me, i won't give you, I won't give you a word of help. Don't let your expectations get you in trouble. Surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and have no expectations other than the promises of the Word of God. And just follow the Lord, friend. I promise you, friend, He will give you a life that is abundant. John 10.10. 10. It's better than anything that you expect. Don't ever settle for God's best looking for your expectations. Just, Take what God gives you and know that it is its best. Depending on sight rather than the word of God coupled with unbiblical expectations always leads, listen, always, to a loss of joy. A loss of joy. And these guys didn't have any joy. They had these unbiblical expectations that Jesus was supposed to move Rome aside, reestablish Israel as the leader of the free world, then we'll take care of spiritual needs after. And so because of that, they they were confused. Jesus was leaving, and he wanted them to begin to find an assurance from his written word. Don't miss this part. He had been with them bodily. When they heard the word of God, he spoke it to them. That was the word of God is what came across Jesus' lips. Well, Friend, 40 days are ticking. There was sand running through an hourglass, a 40-day hourglass. And it was when the last grain of sand fell through, he was ascending. They were going to have to come to a place that they began to depend upon His written Word and to trust in the assurance and the authority of His written Word, not merely just His spoken Word. They needed faith that trusted even though they couldn't see Him or they could touch Him. Habakkuk 2.4 says, The just, the justified. Those who have repented of sin and their debt of sin has been justified. What's that word justified mean? Just as if it never happened. Those who have been justified shall live by faith. Not by sight, but by faith. Listen to what Jesus began to speak to them in verse number 25. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? I mean, he just challenged them where they were. He says, you guys are fools should you not have just trusted what the Bible has to say, what Moses wrote in the first five books, what all the prophets had to say, and what Jesus himself had to say? They had depended on God's word. Uh, they would not depended on God's word to assure their fainting faith. Don't miss this. They had a right to be confused. He Somebody had seen, the angels had seen him, Mary had seen him. Now they couldn't find him. Where would he go? The body's not there. We're just, they're so confused. They had fainting faith. We're going to have those moments. That's when we turn to the Word of God to be assured and to reinvigorate and find God's reviving touch in our life and upon our faith and our walk with Him. Friend, that's the difficulty. Listen, when you began to take the Word of God out of context, the Bible had promised that Jesus would come to set the world free. But they took it out of context. He tried to tell them, my kingdom's not of this world. My kingdom's not of this world. And when you take the Bible out of context, it becomes what? Pretext. And that's why they were so confused. Not, so Jesus starting at Genesis 1-1. Look at verse number 27. And beginning at Moses, Genesis 1-1. And all the prophets, he expounded to them in All the scriptures, the things concerning him. Uh, Not just these scriptures, but in all the scriptures. Because, friend, I want to remind you, he's on every page. I want to tell you one of the reasons, besides just, you know, spending time with God through the study of his word, that I love reading through the Bible every year, just beginning over and and rereading through, or on the three-year plan or two-year plan, but why I enjoy reading through the Bible, it's this to look for Jesus on every single page. He's there on every single page of Scripture, friend. You're going to find Jesus Christ somewhere hiding in the shadows, looking out. He's going to wave at you. Y'all remember years ago, that little fellow Waldo, they would uh, they'd draw all these pictures, and it would be these busy scenes, and you'd try to look for a little toboggan, a little fellow with glasses, and he'd be hanging around the corner going, Y'all remember that? And I promise you, in the, in the shadows of every page of Scripture, Jesus is there and He's just waving at you. He's there. From Genesis 1 1, in the beginning God, to John 1 1, in the beginning was the Word, Words with God, and the Word was God. He's on every single page and you've got to look for Him. You can find assurance from God's Word and trust in its unfailing accuracy. Psalm 119, 105, the psalmist says, your word is, is, not can be or might be the reason he had to blessed life. He says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. Your word is a light unto my path. He trusts in the unfailing accuracy of the light of God's word to shine into a dark world and lead him in the paths of righteousness for God's namesake. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 Paul was about to pass off the scene. And listen to to words of encouragement that he left young Timothy. Uh, Listen to verse number 10 in 2 Timothy chapter 10. He says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose of faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Now listen, what persecutions I endured, and out of all of them the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all those who desire to live godly in Christ, Jesus will suffer persecution. And by the way, when Paul's writing this, they're sharpening the axe to separate his head from the rest of his body. Paul's about to to suffer some persecution. And Timothy's in Ephesus, and he's surely in that pagan city, facing some difficulties. And so Paul doesn't sugarcoat the life of discipleship. He says, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Listen, which can lead to confusion as a disciple, which can lead to doubt, which can lead to bitterness if you're not careful, which can lead, friend, to just absolutely quitting. But listen to what Paul says. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you've learned them and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. My friend, a joyed walk with Jesus must be grounded in assured faith that comes from the Word of God. Number three now, notice there is the abdication to follow Him fully. And you say, well, I'm good on the first two. I've got an appetite. And, man, I'm assured the Word of God is the Word of God, and I'm trusting in the Word of God. Well, listen to what else must take place. Look at verse number 28. So the seven miles are up. You know, let's say two hours it's taken them to walk. We're just throwing out a maybe. And so they drew near to the village where they were going. They've made it into Emmaus. And Jesus indicated that he would have gone further. That is, they began to wind down their beginning to move toward the house that they're staying. And the Bible lends itself that Jesus said something to the point of, hey, let's keep walking. Let's don't stop here in the maze. Let's, let's keep on. Let's walk around the city. Or let's walk up to this hill, maybe, and then come back. Or let's walk. All the Bible says, though, friend, is that he didn't want to stop. Well, he didn't want to stop what? Walking with them, speaking of the things in Scripture concerning himself. He didn't want to stop. What was taking place? This instruction. But the Bible says in verse number 29 that they constrained him. They, they said, no, abide with us. They, they began to give the excuses. No, it, it's, it's toward evening and the day is, is far spent. But what it all summed up is this. We're good. We're good. We're, we're done. Now, friend, I've watched it for 23 years. At there's a certain point people look at their watch during the service, and you hear this sound right here. What they say is this, I'm good. I don't care what else there is in the Scripture, I'm good. You know, at Sunday school, the, the first little buzzer rings, and I'm going to disconnect that thing one of these days, but the little buzzer rings, and everybody's like, we're done. Well, if your teacher hasn't said amen, they're not done. It can happen in our quiet time. I've done my 15. I'm good. And there could be so much more that God's willing to show you through His word. They missed out. They said, we well, say, well, it was getting dark. Friend, Jesus was the light of the world. He could have glowed the way before them to walk. Any hindrance, friend, any obstacle that keeps us from learning, Jesus has an answer to. But what we know is this. They missed out. They weren't fully surrendered. Abdication. They hadn't surrendered their plan to his plan. Now, we're going to walk to Emmaus. We're going to walk to Emmaus. But Jesus said, let's don't stop here. Let's keep going. You hear me this morning. So many disciples missed their miracle because they settled for Satan's seconds rather than marching on for God's best. They miss out. They miss out. They settled short. Not only did they place their expectations on on par with his word, but now they they placed their will above his will. They knew something was different. You say, well, they didn't didn't know that it was Jesus. Look at verse number 32. Well, first, they went in and sat down, and they began to break bread. Jesus took the bread, broke it, and gave, uh, gave it to them. He blessed it. And the Bible says immediately their eyes were opened all of a sudden and they knew him and he vanished. He was there and then he was gone. And notice what the Bible says, though, for anyone that says, well, maybe they just didn't understand who it was that was with them when they said, come inside. Look at verse 32. They said, one did not our heart burn within us, not at the table, but while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? They knew something was different. They knew that something special was happening in their life. But they had, they had a schedule. They had to keep. They had, they had, they had, it's time to go in. This is as far as we've planned on going. But Jesus said, let's keep walking. They hadn't fully surrendered their will to his will. And friends, sadly, many miss out on God's best by declaring, nevertheless, not my will be done, not your will be done, but my will be done, God. They just miss out. Say, God, I've got a will and it's going to happen. So we're shutting her down right now. And they miss out on going on with Jesus. Fullness of joy can't be known as you walk with Christ if you will not fully Follow Him. Don't exchange God's best for Satan's seconds. Listen, whatever the obstacles there are, if God is leading, He will make a way. He'll make a way. Be disciplined and follow Him fully. And fourth, if you're going to have joy in your walk with Christ every day, there must be the appropriation of what you've learned. Well, their eyes were open. Verse number 31. They knew that it was Him. They shared with one another. Did not our hearts burn within us? They they knew that they had missed out, but now they knew they had an opportunity. They weren't just mindful. They didn't just sit there for the rest of the night and, and, and rehearse what had happened on the road. Look what the Bible says in verse number 33. So they rose up that very hour. Friend, listen. Good news is worth sharing with somebody else. Good news is worth that. And there's no greater news than that lives can be changed By Jesus Christ. And so they didn't wait. Look what the Bible continues to say in verse 33. They rose up, they returned to Jerusalem, they found the eleven, and those who who were gathered with them together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed. Not just the Lord is risen, but the Lord is risen indeed. We know it. We've seen Him. We've experienced Him. He spoke to us and how our hearts burned within us. Our lives are different because of the presence of Jesus Christ. And friend, what an illustration of what Jesus could do for this dark world today. All the things you're going to hear from people, friend, who wouldn't know God if they met Him in the road to fix all the problems. We, this group needs to be in charge. We need this new leader. This, all these things need to be changed. Or these laws need to be brought in. These laws need to be taken out. Friend, none of those things will fix anything ultimately. The only thing that will fix the state of our world is a surrendered life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's it. And so they began to share what Christ had shared with them and what He had... Done, and so they rose up that very hour. They didn't wait. Now the darkness wasn't an obstacle. Now they weren't talking, well, we'll wait till morning. They didn't wait till morning. They knew there were people, listen, they knew there were disciples back in Jerusalem who needed to hear a sure, certain word. And so despite all of the obstacles, they pressed through the other seven, the seven miles back to make sure that they could share the encouragement. They didn't wait because others were confused. Friend, listen, we live in a mission field. Whether you are retired, whether you still work, wherever your day carries you, whatever your sphere of influence is, from the time you wake up of the morning to the time you go nighty-night, whatever it is your feet carry, that is your mission field. Now, I'm telling you, friends, we walk past people every day that are hurting and they're confused. They're hurting and confused. And we've got a message of hope. Christ is risen indeed. He lives within our heart. He changes lives. And we need to share with people the hope that we have. And they did that. And notice what happened. They told them all the things. Look at verse 35 that had happened on the road. Don't miss this. This is so good and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Their words to the 11 in verse number 35, don't miss this, prepared them for what was going to happen in verse number 36. Now, as they said these things, what did they say? Christ is alive. We've experienced them. Our lives have been changed. Our hearts burned within us. We've experienced, it's real. We've got assurance now. Jesus is alive. He's alive forevermore. They began to share those things. And when they shared that, look what the Bible says. Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace be to you. Their words prepared them to be able to respond to Jesus' invitation. And when you and I, listen, share with a lost and dying world, he is risen indeed. He changes lives. He's changed my life. This was my life before Christ, how I met Christ, in my life since Christ. When we begin to share with people the good news of the gospel, it prepares them to respond to a head-on collision with Jesus Christ as he calls them and invites them into his will and says, Peace be to you. Those 11 disciples, they had a choice to make. To respond to that peace and to begin to walk and follow Christ from where they were or to reject it. And as we share with others, they're going to have that same opportunity. And the decision they will make, just like men, you are going to make here in just a minute. We're going to share an invitation. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, you're going to choose whether to respond to Jesus and receive Him to be Lord of your life or to push away and say, no, I won't have that. A disciple that's here this morning, you don't have joy in your life anymore. You're going to have a decision whether you're really going to investigate with God what made that joy disappear. And whether you're going to live here this morning with the joy of God's salvation restored to you because you've repented of whatever it was. But you will never walk with joy as you walk with Jesus if these four things at a minimum, friend, aren't a reality in your life. So I want to ask you this morning. Luke 9.23 again says this. Listen to it, won't you? And he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Verse 24, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Jesus means this, the person that says, no, I'm not letting go of all this sin. Or I'm not letting go of this one sin. Jesus says, whoever says that, they'll lose their life. But whoever loses that life, lets go of it and turns away from it, will save his life in me. For my sake, they'll save it. And so the first decision we have to deal with this morning is this. Has there ever been a moment in your life where you've chosen to turn from all your sin and you've surrendered your life to Christ's lordship? There's never been a moment where you've done that. Don't you listen to me? You're lost this morning in your sin. And sin's penalty for you, friend, is this. An eternal separation from God in hell. Don't you listen to me. You will, if you die without Christ, you're going to burn in hell for all eternity. But Jesus died on the cross to pay your sin debt. He rose from the grave. He offers you life. He says to you today, Peace be to you. If you'll only turn and receive it by faith, by surrendering your life to His Lordship. If you've never done that, I encourage you to do it right now. Now listen. This is all I want you to do. Don't grab purses. Don't grab phones. Don't thump Bibles. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you sit there before God this morning lost in your sins, there's never been a moment that you've turned and trusted him to be Lord of your life. Friend, what sin is there in your life that's worth going to hell over? God loves you. He sent Christ to die for your sin. He wants to save you, and he will. But you must turn and trust him to be Lord of your life today. If you'd be willing to do that, tell him so in a simple prayer of faith. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you will simply declare to him what your heart has decided to do to turn from sin and surrender your life to his lordship, you will be saved. Confess him as Lord of your life today. Silently you sit just like this. Pray and say, God, forgive me of my sin. I admit my sin. I turn from it. I believe Jesus died I believe he rose again. I hear him silently calling me to be saved today. Peace to you. And I so want that peace. I lay my life at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, be Lord of me. That's my prayer today. If you prayed that and you meant it with all your heart, in a few moments we're going to stand at our feet. They're going to sing the song, be a hymn of invitation. Now, I'm going to invite you to make your way down to the front where I'm standing. I just want to encourage you what God wants to do next in your life. Next decision we need to deal with this morning is this. You say, I know that I've been saved. I want to ask you this. Are you walking today in the joy of God's salvation? I mean, are you still even following Jesus? Are you following your will? You certainly don't have joy. If you've lost the joy of God's salvation... Would you not just be still before God now and ask God to shine out where you lost it? Own it. Stop blaming everybody else. See, loss of joy is an inside job. Nobody can take it from me. I surrender it. If you've lost the joy, own why you did. And maybe pray this, God, forgive me for this. You fill in the blank. For these things. God, I've lost the joy. I'm not even following you the way I should anymore. God, forgive me. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. Oh, God, I have with all my heart commit to surrender my life, my family's life, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Would you please restore to me the joy of your salvation? God, I have an appetite for your word. Forgive me for turning away And not choosing to feast on your word. Oh God, I've doubted rather than being assured through your word. God, I've already confessed. I haven't, I've picked back up lordship of my life. I haven't abdicated my life to you. God, forgive me for not telling others, sharing with others what you've done for me. Things are going to be different from here on out. That's my prayer. Father, you speak to your church. Other needs are represented in this place today. Father, I pray you'll impress upon someone that's at a crossroads right now. They're at a crossroads of decision. You want to take them farther. But the devil's given them all the reasons that they shouldn't go. Father, I pray they'll push away from that and they'll follow you and not miss their miracle. Thank you again, Lord, for your love. Thank you for a second chance. Be Lord of this invitation, and we'll give you thanks for what we trust is going to take place as lives are changed because of surrender to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet.